like you and the Tampa Bay Times. The Pulitzer Prize-winning newspaper is available around the Tampa Bay area and online at tampabay.com. Thanks to the Tampa Bay Times for their support. Good morning and welcome to Wavemakers on WMNF with Janet and Tom. Weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. And answering the phones today is the lovely Irene. If you want to join our conversation, you can call us at 813-239-9663 and Irene will get you through to us. You can also email us at dj at wmnf.org or reach us by text at 813-433-433. 0885. As you know, WMNF would not exist without the support of you, our listeners. We will be asking for your support during our membership drive October 4th through October 11th. So October 10th will be the day that Waymakers will be talking to you about fundraising. Um, We have a couple special thank you gifts to offer our listeners, including a vintage Doonesbury poster with an interesting backstory and a two-volume book of historic Tampa photos. More on those later, but if you are a fan of Waymakers and WMNF, please consider donating. You do not have to wait until next week. Today's guest has been making waves for more than 20 years as a Democratic elected official in St. Petersburg. Charlie Justice has served in both the Florida House and Senate and since 2012 as a Pinellas County Commissioner. Right now he's dealing with a couple of the biggest issues confronting the Tampa Bay region. The future of the Rays and the future of our beaches considered some of the best in the world. Welcome to Wavemakers, Charlie. Good morning. How are you? We're doing great. It's thanks good to have for, you here. Thanks for being here. Charlie's join, joining us by Zoom today. Um, the Rays want hundreds of millions of dollars in tax subsidies to stay in St. Petersburg, including $300 million from Pinellas County. Meanwhile, private beachfront landowners are blocking badly needed beach renourishment projects in a dispute with the federal government that could result in more local taxes paying for the work. So, Charlie, lots to talk about, but let's start with the raise. So, Charlie, um, what do you think? Do you support this deal (laughs) that's being proposed right now, or do you have questions about it? Oh, I think we also have questions about it. This was, you know... um, this was a long time to get here. And if you talk to anyone who's dealt with the negotiations from St. Pete, Tampa, Hillsborough, Pinellas over the last, you know, decade, um, it was getting to this point, you know, of getting a framework of a deal so that we could actually start talking about the deal because up to this point, it's just been gray numbers. Um, and so I really appreciate the mayor's team, Rob Gertis, our administrator, Mr. Burton, and the team's uh, folks uh, for working for really the last year to get us to this point where we can have that real conversation. We can start digging into some of these more specifics, but I support the framework. Um, We still need to see some of the details on some of the funding, but this is exactly what um, a big part of this TDT, the tourist development tax funds are specifically uh, authorized for by in Florida statutes. Well, as you mentioned, uh, it has been years. The Rays have been uh, frankly complaining about the location of the stadium for years. They, they, have contended that it depresses attendance. Um, And yet they want to build a new one basically right where they are now. Um, They want to spend uh, $1.3 billion on a ballpark in downtown St. Pete. 
Um, and, you know, they want St. Pete and Pinellas taxpayers to pay at least $600 million of that. Um, but the total cost of the tax subsidy is a little unclear, right, uh, Charlie? Well, you've, if you break it into different parts, if you're just talking about the stadium and not the overall um, overall development, then they're, they're obviously two different things. The stadium is estimated to be 1.2, 1.3, with the, the county and city kicking in six, and the team taking the rest, and including overruns, um, which is important. And um, so from the county's perspective, it's, it is not general funds. It's not property taxes. It's not funds that we could use to pay our deputies or do some things like that. It is specifically tourist development taxes, which has very strict limitations in Florida statute on what we can do with that, including advertising our destination, um, contributing to some capital projects like we've done with the Salvador Dali Museum, the Clearwater Aquarium, Ruth Eckerd Hall, um, the Florida Arts and Crafts Museum downtown, things like that, as well as beach nourishment. Well, are the Rays a tourist attraction? I mean, is that a, uh, would we consider that a tourist attraction? I, I see it. Yes, absolutely. Um, having the Rays here is part of that package of amenities for our tourists. It is a draw. It is part of the package of when people travel. Um, absolutely. I also see it as, um, you know, locals, we, we deal with, you know, 15 million visitors, I think 5 million overnight guests last year, being able to have tourists pay for some of these quality of life um, amenities, I think is a nice is a nice thing for us to be, be able to do with the tourist tax. That's and so- also the tourist pay. Go ahead. I was just saying the tourists pay one third of our penny for Pinellas, which pays for infrastructure like roads and sewer and uh, parks, community centers and things like that. Now, we've talked about, you know, $600 million roughly total subsidy from the taxpayers, um, half of that coming from the county, half or more coming from St. Pete. I say or more uh, because um, St. Petersburg City Council member Richie Floyd uh, says it's actually much bigger uh, than that. Uh, And Floyd was on WMNF's The Skinny on Friday and raised a point about the sale of publicly owned land that hasn't gotten much attention. Let's listen to a, a, a brief excerpt of that interview. There was a press conference Tuesday you mentioned, uh, and I did not attend because uh, I have some serious concerns about it. Uh, I know everyone's celebratory that the Rays want to stay, and it's great that they want to stay, um, and I, I look forward to them staying. Um, but I think right now what's most important is that the public knows what the actual cost of the uh, of them staying is and the cost of this redevelopment is. You mentioned some of the details uh, before $130 million for infrastructure, uh, $300 million, and I'm just talking about from the city, yeah. um, in city funds, uh, and you know, what some of the, what some of this money really could go to. And, and that's not the end of it. I mean, we're selling, uh, publicly owned land for much under its appraised value. Uh, the total subsidy just between the land, the public dollars, for the stadium and the public dollars for infrastructure gets into the $800 million point. Uh, it's a significant amount of money, and I think the public really needs to be aware of it uh, before we can go on and have this conversation. And so that's why I am hesitant to uh, jump right on board. And that's just the cost of the cash. I mean, if you count in the debt service, we're looking at well over a billion dollars worth of money uh, to go to something that is nice. And yes, it's great for us all to have. Uh, but is it really the most effective thing for us to do with our city money right now uh, when child poverty in the city is growing, when income inequality in the city is growing, 
when we have issues with homelessness and food access, uh, I question some of the wisdom. And so that's why I've uh, avoided the situation or I didn't go to the press conference. Right. Uh, that's St. Petersburg City Council member Richie Floyd speaking with Mitch Perry on WMNF's The Skinny about the cost to taxpayers of a new race stadium. You can hear the full interview on our website, WMNF.org. So, Charlie, does he have a point? Should the Rays be paying full value for the land? Well, I think that's exactly what I was talking about is, you know, all the negotiations, all the conversations got us to the point where we could have this conversation. Never would start looking at the numbers. They can start having input. Um, and, you know, I don't know if the council members' numbers are accurate. That's what that's what this time frame moving forward is all about is looking at all the numbers. How does that relate with the development rights that the city gave to the Rays 20 years ago? Uh, because the Rays had a big portion of development rights. How does that factor into the contribution of affordable housing units on that site? All of those, this is not a straight up, you know, he gets $300 million, the stadium is built. It's a lot of moving parts. And that's what, again, getting us to this point. There's a lot of all of this back and forth over the last decade. And more seriously, in the last couple of years since Mayor Welch took office, to get us to this point today where we have a, a sheet of paper to look at. And then at the end of the day, does it make sense in the entire project? Again, the city has a lot bigger uh, piece of this with the entire 86 acres, the massive $6.8 billion development of the 80 acres. Um, the county's portion is really more focused on the stadium and the raise, and how does that part all fit in with everything? And the county actually would, uh, as it does now, would own the new ballpark, right? Yeah, there's apparently a, um, uh, I don't know if you call it a quirk or, or what, in, in Florida law, that if the county owns the site, it avoids the property taxes for the stadium itself. If it was obviously owned by the team, it would uh, incur heavy property taxes, which then changes the deal completely. And so the county money, as you mentioned, would only come from tourist development, um, tourist, the, the, the bed taxes, they call it, uh, uh, that hotels pay. Um, and, and there's sufficient money uh, to pay that debt service over 30 years? Absolutely. The, um, you know, I think a few months ago, a lot of us were concerned about what would it take for the beach nourishment. There was a lot of uh, uh, angst about that. Our, our folks have shown us a, a chart that shows us that we're in pretty good shape as far as being able to handle beach nourishment as well as the raise and potentially some other smaller projects along the way uh, as we move forward. The, the bed tax um, has uh, been growing steadily over the last several years. And um, you know, I think it was $30 million 10 years ago. It's closer to $100 million today. And um, again, we use a portion of that, a big portion for marketing our destination, for operating our convention and visitor bureau, uh, for paying for staff for that. And then a lot of it goes into, again, beach nourishment. We set aside a portion every year, which we haven't spent in several years. We have a healthy reserve for beach nourishment and also into capital reserves in order to be able to pay for projects without bonding as best possible. Obviously, uh, a race stadium would require uh, a bond issue, but um, we've been able to pay for contributing to Clearwater, Dunedin, uh, and, and St. Petersburg projects without having to bond because we've been able to build up reserve over years, as you, you traditionally do with a capital program. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wave Makers on WMNF, and our guest today is Pinellas County Commissioner Charlie Justice. We're talking right now about uh, the Rays 
new development um, in stadium in, in Pinellas County, St. Petersburg, and and taxpayer money going to support that. We want to hear from you, 813-239-9663, or you can email us at dj at wmnf.org. What do you think? Do you want to see tourist development tax dollars spent on uh, a new uh, Rays stadium in St. Petersburg? Is that something you support? Do you love the Rays? Do you go to Rays games? Would you rather go to a Rays game in a new stadium? You can give us a call. We want to hear from you. And you can also pose a question directly to Pinellas County Commissioner Charlie Justice. So, uh, Charlie, you mentioned uh, it's pretty clear you're not going to spend money outside of the tourist development uh, tax dollars, the county commission, and you would support that, correct? Yeah, I think I don't think you have uh, any votes on the county commission for general property tax dollars or anything like that. Um, that's that's the message we have sent to our administrator from day one. Um we haven't really had a full conversation at the county commission between us um, about specifics. That's what will be coming in the coming weeks and months um, as we really delve into the details of this uh, entire deal. And, you know, you, you represent Pinellas County, not the city of St. Petersburg, but um, we have a lot of St. Petersburg taxpayers listening. Where would the money come uh, from St. Petersburg's portion of this deal, which is about half of the public subsidy, perhaps more? Well, that's what we look forward to seeing uh, as I think uh, you had a council member on there. They'll have an opportunity to dig into that and see. Um, I know what you know, that the mayor has committed that it would not come from property taxes um, or increased taxes, that it would come from bonding different flows of income. Um, and I have not seen the details on that part of the portion yet. Um, so we'll all we'll have a chance to look at that together. Sometimes local governments will use a community redevelopment district uh, where the, uh, the extra property tax revenue that's generated by new development uh, is not shared with the rest of the city, but it goes right back into the area that it, uh, it where it's built. Is that the same kind of idea that St. Peter's looking at? Um, the the mayor said no property taxes, so, um, that's so it. that that would be property taxes in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. But we have the county and the city of St. Pete have partnered over the last thirty years on different CRAs and tax increment financing districts, uh, including one where the the Tropicana Field sits now, one in South St. Petersburg, and one along uh, the uh, waterfront in downtown St. Petersburg. Um, those of us who've lived here forever, uh, uh, those of that are maybe new in the last 10 or 20 years, don't remember when Beach Drive was not as uh, beautiful as it is now, but Beach Drive was a, a CRA TIF district uh, and money was spent to improve the infrastructure there and serve as uh, setting the table for all the incredible private investment that's happened downtown. Um, and so uh, the city and county have committed money for Tropicana site out of the CRA TIF, but that is for infrastructure, uh, returning a street plan, you know, putting streets in where the parking lot is, uh, some underground stuff, things like that. Um, but my understanding is not for the actual stadium construction. Now, you, you mentioned uh, Beach Drive, and, you know, obviously downtown St. Pete is just exploding, and it has been uh, for the last, uh, say, decade. Uh, would you say that was the result of the raise or in spite of the raise? I, I don't think it's either. I think it's a combination. I, you know, um, was downtown St. Pete taking off? Absolutely. I think people discovered it. Uh, are the Rays a portion of that? I think absolutely. Are they the sole reason? No, of course not. We have incredible restaurants. I think about um, Robert Sanderson, who owned one of the first really nice restaurants downtown St. Pete. He invested early um, uh, on Central Avenue, and then he saw the future, and he moved his site from Central, and I think he was about 5th or 6th Street, and he moved down to Beach Drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took off down there. So, no, I think there are a lot of private investors, uh, Bob Shruti and some of those folks, 
that really invested downtown. Uh, but you can't ignore, um, you know, thousands of folks that come to a ball game and, and come for dinner before or stay after, things like that. I think it's all worked together. I think it's all part of this, the big puzzle. And now it seems the Rays, after spending years denigrating that location, uh, have embraced it because of the development that's going on. And they see that there's money to be made through the development rights that they already own through the current lease, right? So is exactly. that... Exactly. I think... Yeah. Yeah, I think... I don't. I, and you say denigrate. I, I don't... I mean, it, obviously, I think the reality is um, that the population center is, is not in, in Pinellas. If you look at the entire four or five county region. So you have some, um, you know, you have some opportunities and challenges when it comes to attendance and things. And I think, you know, the, the thought for a long time was that if you put it over in uh, middle of Hillsborough, that you would have a better chance at raising your attendance. Um, that factors into the big costs and over looking at it over the last decade, looking at the growth of St. Pete and Pinellas, looking at the change of residence, um, the Rays decided that, uh, that they were willing to make that investment and, I don't think they make a seven, eight hundred, nine hundred million dollar investment lightly, um, but yeah, I think St. Pete's changed, Pinellas changed, Tampa Bay has changed, and hopefully the the next piece of the puzzle will be being able to improve our infrastructure as far as uh, transportation and transit, and that will help all of that work together. We have an email from uh, Charles Parker who asks, um, and I don't know the answer to this question. Maybe you do, Commissioner. Does Pinellas County charge Airbnb type rentals, tourist taxes? Um, and are they are their properties assessed as if commercial, like a hotel? I'm sure they're not assessed as commercial, but I actually don't. I don't. They're not. I, I. That's a good question. I don't believe they're assessed as commercial, but they do. Uh, the tax collector uh, does collect taxes um, from Airbnbs. And that's presumably that's hotel taxes, just like the hotels do. I, I don't, but right, correct. Yeah, so that's state law that that dictates that. So if There's, you have a question for us like um, and for the Commissioner uh, Justice, like Charles Parker did, you can email us at WMNF.org or you can call us at 813-239-9663. And we're talking right now about um, the redevelopment of the Rays site in St. Petersburg. Well, one question that I have that I think probably a lot of listeners have uh, is more fundamental. We have been talking about the Rays. Should they be in St. Pete? Should they be in Tampa? Should they split their season with Montreal? There's always cities. Remember that, that wanna, crazy idea? Yeah, remember that crazy idea? <laughs> uh, there are always cities, there are cities that would like to take uh, a Major League Baseball uh, team from another city. Um, but so, did the Rays use Tampa to get a better deal in St. Pete? No, I don't. I don't. I mean, you know, you have to ever ask every person on these two boards will have a chance to vote. I don't. I've never looked at it that way. Um, I've looked at, at from the beginning that there would be an opportunity and there would be a. Uh, a potential deal, and the city and the county would come together. Uh, but no, that's. I mean, to think that if if Tampa said, "Well, we'll do six ten, then it would come back to us, and we'll do six fifteen. No, that's that's never been part of my thought. Um, or if they had just act- been, if they had just been honest and said, "We can't afford to pave the streets, so we can't <laughs> build a new baseball stadium for the Rays." But well, a more fundamental well, question. Is- I, go ahead, Charlie. No, the reality is that Hillsboro uh, has a lot of things already on its plate with, uh, you know, potential renovations for Raymond James. Amelie Arena is always out there. Uh, the Yankee Stadium is there. Um, they've had a commitment over the years to the aquarium, to the Stras, to the convention center. The Lightning. So, the Tampa Museum. The, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the reality was that um, it would be a struggle for them under their bed tax. And so I never saw any, you know, Mayor Christman, to his credit, 
uh, opened the door for Hillsborough and Tampa to make an offer. Um, and, and what came back was not something that was, you know, a, a real thought out serious plan, if you look back at it. Um, so it was going to take something incredibly creative. Um, I, I think there was still potential for that with different avenues. But the reality is, from day one, the financing has always been easier in Pinellas County because of our bed tax. And, and you mentioned that you can spend that money on other things. Um, so I think a more fundamental question a lot of people have is, why should tax dollars be used to subsidize wealthy team owners? No, I think if you, if you don't think $1 should go, I think that's a, a reasonable point of view. Um, I think that, again, if we were talking about general funds, this would be a completely different conversation. Um, these are, are strictly limited by Florida statute on what we can spend them for. Um, and our first development council years ago, um, before it became popular statewide, years ago, we put in a strict 60-40 limitation. So 60% would always be set aside for marketing the destination and operating our CVB and never going above 40% for capital projects so that we would never get turned upside down to where we were funding all these capital projects and not have money to market our destination, which this is what the original tax was uh, designed for, was to market the destination. The hoteliers came together, put this tax on themselves basically to say, we want a fund to market our destination. And that's what we've used it for. And over the years, that use has been expanded. And again, we've made investments, uh, some while I've been on the commission, some before I got here in the uh, Salvador Dali, the Clearwater Aquarium, the Dunning and Blue Jays, uh, Ruth Eckerd Hall, uh, Clearwater softball complexes that helps with those ESPN tournaments, that NCAA tournaments that come. Um, uh, the original renovation to the Florida Suncoast Dome. So th these are funds that we've used for this before. It it helps um, with tourist amenities, which is part of what they're. And also, again, like I said at the beginning, it's part of the overall quality of life that our residents get to enjoy as well. Do some of those groups uh, also have their handout now, or, you, or, or is there a competition between the Rays and, say, uh, Mahaffey Theater, the Dolly Museum, other um, arts groups? Uh, and the arts, a lot of people have pointed to the arts as one of the main reasons that St. Pete has come alive the way it has. Is there is there uh, money to be had uh, to be uh, shared with them as well and still have the advertising and support the Rays? Yeah, I think, you know, um, if we're smart about it, I think there is. Um, we... The county commission voted uh, just recently to fund the Salvador Dali Museum expansion. Um, I think uh, the final number that was agreed to was about $25 million out of a, I think it was a $70 million, $65 million total project. The county is contributes $25 million of bed tax for that. That helps with, again, the Dali is a world-renowned tourist attraction. Uh, the county contributed towards the Arts and Crafts Museum downtown St. Petersburg. Um, the county has contributed uh, to the Florida Holocaust Museum for their renovation. Um, the St. Pete History Museum at the pier is one that uh, uh, we're still currently negotiating with. They have a request in. Um, the Clearwater or Philadelphia Phillies and City of Clearwater um, uh, have a, are preparing an ask for renovations to uh, Baycare Field and uh, on US 19. Um, but yes, I think that you know, folks have, uh, who work in these areas, folks that uh, are part of these facilities or these organizations are aware of the availability of these funds and, and certainly don't hesitate to ask for a contribution. We're talking to Pinellas County Commissioner Charlie Justice about uh, the raised development in St. Pete right now. We've got a 
couple comments from our listeners. We have um, one person who sends us an email, says, waste of money, exclamation point. Put a big picture of Stuart Sternberg on the dome and put the funds into infrastructure. And we also have a caller on the line, Sarah in Tampa. You are on the line. What's on your mind? Um, I'm very disappointed that there's no discussion at all on low- and middle-income people and the housing portion of this. Historically, this was to reestablish a neighborhood that was decimated by prejudicial housing practices. I know he's here to talk about the raise, but I'm begging him to spend some time talking about the housing, the neighborhood. I did look at all these plans. They look like, you know, tourist destinations. I'm not seeing a basketball court for a pickup game. So could you please either talk about this now or could you have a, another guest on a later program? We can talk about this now. So, Commissioner, tell us um, about the, the raised plans and is affordable housing part of that? And also, if you want to talk a little bit about what uh, the, the commission is doing about uh, affordable housing in Pinellas County. Sure. The, um, again, this is more on the city side of the, the ledger, but um, as part of that whole development, I think there's 1,200 units of affordable housing on site. And I think they were talking about another 600 uh, offsite that they were going to work towards. Uh, that's part of um, the, the mayor's, uh, I really credit uh, Ken for his uh, drawing a line on this. You know, when you're talking about affordable housing, it is a 20 or 30 year subsidy as far as how you construct that unit. Um, what used to be a $50,000 per unit is now closer to $200,000, $250,000 per unit cost to build an apartment unit. And... Uh, to make that financially work, you have to build so many market rates. So if you build so many market rate, you can make profit there and you can put that back into construction, the affordable rate. Um, so I think the mayor has been very strong on making sure that affordable housing was part of on-site as well as off-site development from this entire Ray's Hines deal. Um, you know, uh, if you know Ken at all, you know, this, this site is incredibly important to him and his family. Uh, he grew up on this site. Um, I know that preserving that uh, the promises that were made from the original uh, Florida Suncoast Dome, um, ensuring that those promises uh, are kept and come to fruition now with this deal is important to the mayor. Um, we'll all have the opportunity at the final thing to go through with the units and make sure that, you know, the numbers match up for everybody's satisfaction. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I put a lot of faith in Ken and, and his evaluation of where we've come to as far as treating this site with respect. Uh, but there is a, a significant amount of affordable housing, workforce housing that will be on site as well as some off site. And then the second part was that the county committed when the voters passed the penny for Pinellas in 2017, the county committed a portion of that uh, for our land assembly fund for affordable housing units, and workforce housing units in Pinellas County. And I don't have the number in front of me, but we have been working on developments all over the county, uh, Palms of Pinellas and Largo, um, the uh, Fairfield apartments on uh, 34th Street the um, Skyway lofts uh, in South St. Petersburg, um, and uh, as well as working with, um, and we've got a couple of the developments coming in the Lelman area and several sites with that we've partnered with Habitat for Humanity uh, for 80%, those are making 80% of the area median income uh, as far as getting in permanent housing beyond the apartments. Uh, we're working as well as to uh, achieve that home ownership goal for so many folks too. You're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF with Janet and Tom, and our guest today is Pinellas County Commissioner Charlie Justice. We've been talking about Rays baseball, and um, in a minute we'll come back and we're going to talk about uh, beach renourishment. But first, this. 
Jazz is alive at WMNF. Tune in Sunday evenings at 8 for Colors of Jazz at our new time, featuring new releases from new artists, old favorites, international jazz from Europe, Asia, and Canada, covering everything from big band swing to bop to fusion. We play it all, plus specials celebrating the music of giants like Ellington, Miles Davis, Pat Metheny, Quincy Jones, Chick Corea, even Frank Zappa. We play the music you'll hear no place else on the radio. Check out our interviews with local jazz musicians. Jazz is what America sounds like, and it's yours to listen to come Sunday evening. If you can't catch us live, play it back from the archives. And also catch Jazz in the Night with Bob Seymour on Mondays from 9 to midnight. Um, now, Charlie, we're going to shift a little bit. It may seem dramatic, but it's not really shifting from the rays to the beaches. No, because we you've mentioned several times, actually, that those tourist uh, development tax dollars can go for the rays or they can go for the beaches. And the beaches are very eroded right now. These beaches that we all love so much. Uh, Jan and I travel all over the place. We go to beaches and we all say, always say... Beaches are better at home, but we're not going to have beaches much longer if something's not done, right? So what is going on? Beach renourishment has been going on in Pinellas County for probably more than 50 years. I think the first one that was done with the help of the federal government was on Sunset Beach in Treasure Island, which was recently decimated by the hurricane. And uh, I know there's uh, work going on right now to restore just that stretch of the beaches, uh, what is the hang-up with renourishing the rest of the Pinellas beaches? Well, uh, there's two parts. We, we have emergency crews out there right now on Sunset uh, uh, trucking in uh, sand uh, as we speak. Um, and if you go on the county website you can or uh, Facebook social media, you can see pictures of the trucks there. Uh, so there's emergency response for when we have a storm like this. But we have been working with... Um, uh, to with a long-term plan for Sand Key and Long Key, which more people know as Upham Beach, uh, St. Pete Beach, uh, for several years now. And it's really part of the hang-up is a change interpretation by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. And, and for that 60 years that you've been talking about that we've been doing this in Pinellas County, there's been a partnership between uh, the county, the state, and the federal government through the U.S. Army Corps. And in the past, the Army Corps... Uh, and, you know, m many of us remember uh, Congressman Young, who helped fund a lot of our beach-specific projects. He was a big advocate for, the for beach renourishment, federally funded, yes. And then we had, for uh, many years in the state Senate, we had Dennis Jones, who a lot of us called Dr. Beach, uh, because he made sure that the state match was always there. And so, and then the county would be 20%. So it was a great, <laughs> for us, it was a great formula that worked well over the years. Um, this last project on Sand Key, the Army Corps said they want every resident to sign a perpetual uh, easement for access. Um, and that has never been the interpretation of the Corps in any of our previous projects. So that we've been out there, uh, our, uh, our utility workers and folks have been out knocking on doors um, and talking to folks, asking for folks to sign these uh, easements. And we have not been able to get folks to do that. I think we're at like 51, 52% of the uh, affected property owners, and the Army Corps has really uh, uh, taken a hard line on this and said, until we have compliance, we're not going to fund this program. And what and is so, the objection of the property owners? Don't they realize they're getting free sand? 
Well, the there's been two parts. One, the there's there's been some change in state law over the years about public access to definition of private beach, all those kind of things. But um, they they feel like if they sign away this easement, that it means that folks are going to be able to come up in their backyard, which is is really not the case. Uh, and there's been disinformation out there that the Army Corps, the federal government, or the county government was going to suddenly come take control of their beach. Um, and so, you know, once you get those uh, seeds of doubt out there, it's very hard to get folks to completely buy in. And and so we're, we're trying to take it from all the avenues. We're, we're still working with the residents, uh, but the hope of getting 100% residents, is, it, it seems um, not really something that's realistic right now. Um, we are continuing to work with our members of Congress, uh, our U.S. senators, and the Army Corps as far as understanding, you know, the, the change of policy maybe the definition of access and easements, um, explaining to folks that the easement is not signed to the federal government, it's signed to the county, and what assurances can the county give property owners that we're not going to come on there, um, making them understand that if we could put sand in there and we widen the beach, that's more beach for people to be further away from the property line uh, on, on the backside of their property. Um, and also, like you talked about, that, that sand there, not only is it amenity um, uh, to enjoy, but it also helps protect your property when we do have storms. And so, um, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly how all these seeds of doubt took place, uh, uh, but it's problematic and it's troublesome. And it's certainly causing us uh, a lot of concerns as far as how we fund beach nourishment. Well, uh, since the 1968 uh, Florida Constitution, uh, it's been very clear. It's in the Constitution that the beaches belong to the public. Um, so why is it yeah, that I some think, people uh, are, are insisting that, that their stretch of beach behind their house is private? And I've seen videos that where they, they're trying to tell people to get off the beach because that's their beach. How, how, how can they do that? Well, I, I don't think they should. I think, like you said, uh, uh, someone said this years ago to me, and I, I kind of, beach access is a birthright of Floridians. Um, uh, if, you know, I grew up here, um, never thought about, uh, uh, not having easy access to our beaches here. Um, and so the legislature changed the law a few years ago and it was, it was a little, caused a little confusion. It caused folks to think that they had more access to beach and, mm -hmm. and others. Um, so, you know, again, this is a small percentage of the situation um, as far as, as far as people coming up or getting too close to people's property. People want to go out, they want to enjoy the water, they want to enjoy the sand. Um, and that has been the way my entire life, um, but some confusion by the legislature a few years ago as far as where that line is. Um, that, that water line has always been public. That remains public today. It gets into, and again, I think I told you the other day that uh, I would need to get my, my beach attorney with me if we're going to start getting into the like, coastal erosion line language and that kind of thing. But um, well, that, that line just is, is so difficult to discern. You, it's generally you know, what the high water mark is considered mark, public, but, and then you know, beyond that is considered. I, I, I've seen old private. maps of the this line. It was set. I think it was set back in like '68 or something, right? And and it goes and, through and, caddies. If people are familiar with caddies on the beach on Sunset Beach, it literally goes through the their building. through their building, and yet caddies has insisted that the uh, sand between their building and the Gulf belongs to them and will chase people off of there who bring, you know, their own beer uh, to their, to quote, Caddy's Beach. Um, so the whole thing is kind of confusing these days. It, it is. And again, and we're just, you know, we're trying to see, have folks see the benefit. You know, the, the more sand we can put in, the wider the beach is, again, the more space for people to be at. Um, it, it really, it helps with 
that destination. When you look at the pictures, you want to see the beautiful beaches. And really, it helps with the um, stability of our shoreline. You know, having that beach there, having those dunes there um, helps with wave action. It helps with storm uh, protection, all those things. Um, so it, this is really important. And we continue to work with uh, the Army Corps to see if we can't get uh, them to, you know, uh, have some flexibility in the language so that we can get this job done, that we're not putting it off any further than we need to. Well, the Army Corps may have a new approach now, but they have always insisted that those beach communities provide public access to the point of having certain number of parking places within walking distance, having beach access. That hasn't changed, has it? No, this this is still part of that overall thing. If, if you're going to receive the sand, there's, there's public access. This is... The, the stumbling block this year, these last several years, has been the signing of the access and the easements. Um, and so just as just as folks have utility easements, most of us uh, in their backyard for Duke Energy to come and access the pole, um, this would be access for, you know, equipment to put sand down. This is not something about means that people could come at, you know, 10 p.m. at night and set up tents or something. This is access to do the work of renourishing the beaches. This is not anything else. And uh, if we could get people to understand that, we could be further along on, on getting those, uh, uh, getting closer to compliance. But again, 100% compliance, which is what the Army Corps says right now, I, I just don't see that as being realistic. But there's a, I think there's a similarity with the discussion with the Rays because there is a philosophical question here, or a more fundamental, maybe even scientific question. In the, in the case of the Rays, uh, you haven't done this, and I, 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 I credit you for this. You have not really talked about much justifying the tax for the raise with economic development. There's hardly any economists who believe that you get much bang for the buck in investing in sports complexes. Meanwhile, you have scientists who study the beaches and they say, this beach is just going to wash away again. So you're spending millions of dollars to re-nourish a beach. You just, just walk away from it and let nature take its course. And now you're talking about asking Pinellas taxpayers to bear the majority of the cost. Is that right? Well, again, it would be from tourist tax dollars. It would be from taxes that tourists pay. Yeah. Um, so this is, you know, replenishing the uh, amenities that tourists pay to come see. Um, and so, you know, and, and we'll go back to the stadium and, and there is economic benefit to the stadium. Um, is, is there return 100% ROI? Um, you're, you can find economists who will obviously tell you, um, give you the answer on that. But, it is, an, it is a community amenity um, to have that stadium, to have the facility for other events, to have a team here, to have the national exposure. All those things um, have benefit. It's not a zero benefit. The beaches um, benefit us for all those uh, hotels and restaurants that benefit from having our, I said, 15 million visitors last year, 5 million overnight. Um, and the great majority of them were staying on a beach from Clearwater down to St. Pete Beach. Um, we have 100,000 families in Pinellas County whose job relies on tourism. And so that is part of our economic engine here. Um, it is not our only economic engine, but if you're talking about 100,000 folks that rely on tourism uh, for how they make their living, that is a pretty big deal for the people of Pinellas County. Well, and it's not just the people in Pinellas County and the folks staying on in hotels. I mean, Janet, I love going to the beach beaches and, you know, Upland Beach has become one of our favorites. Um, I'm glad you're going to be re-nourishing oh. that at some point. Uh, don't don't tell people all up on beach. We we like it as quiet as we can get. Right, it <laughs> it's quiet. It's nice. Um, yeah, and, and there's really good restaurants within walking distance for the. But let's not talk about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we we've watched 
the Paso Grill Beach actually yeah. just shrink over the years, which, you, which used to be our favorite beach, but it's less so now. But we do like to talk about solutions. So is there a solution to this problem? Charlie, do you see something? Is there going to be a, a logjam broken here by you and some other commissioners? Or what's, what's going to happen now in the next months or years? Well, we're doing, right now, we're doing the things that we would do um, normally. So even if the Army Corps said, all good, you still have to go through design, engineering, architecture. And I know that sounds like a lot of stuff when you're just putting sand up, but there is a process to this thing. And so we're doing all of that work now um, as we continue to work with the Army Corps about language to have a better understanding and, and hopefully break that log jam. Um, we, there's 11 counties in, in, uh, in Florida that are under similar circumstances that we are. We're working with them to work with our U.S. senators to explain how important this is to our friends in Washington. Um, but then we're also making plans that worst case scenario, if we have to go it alone and fund it. Um, and we're working on those projections, which our, our uh, staff feels comfortable that we would be able to do that. We're going to go through all those numbers uh, in the coming months as we kind of balance out the stadium um, and uh, other requests from museums, as well as what what do we really need to commit to beach nourishment? Because, um, like I said, I, I was born and raised here. That beach is uh, critical. That's why people come here. That's why we love living here. Um, and that beach is number one priority. Let's go to the phones. We've got Nancy and St. Pete on the line. She wants to talk about beach erosion. Nancy? What's up? Hi. Yeah. Been uh, looking at this pretty hard. I grew up in Indian Rocks Beach, and, um, you know, we had our share of, of, of uh, the comings and goings of uh, the sand and everything uh, for years uh, since uh, we moved there in 54. And um, so anyway, I just wanted to, one thing you did not mention is the amount the, um, uh, the Army Corps was, was going to um, pay of this project. Sixty-five percent. People are nuts not to take them up on that. And also, the, the what they're afraid of, and this is something uh, uh, this is something nationwide. Um, they have this problem in California. They have this in New York. They have this on all the coasts. Um, which is the people who buy their homes there are so just delighted that they can be oceanfront, waterfront, that they feel entitled. Mm-hmm. They are entitled to the entire beach and all those other people who don't belong there. And those are people who can't afford to be there. Uh, then the hell with them, you know. Uh, so this is the problem. And to go to your senators to try to get them to, you know, have the federal government lay off on their things is a travesty. Because the reason, the reason that you're not saying is uh, with the with the uh, Army Corps' new stuff is they are part of Homeland Security. This is a Homeland Security thing. Do you understand? I'm not sure I understand that connection, Nancy. That there is a connection. That's why they're they're asking for 100 percent because uh, because Homeland Security has to get in there in case there is flooding, and so maybe it's somebody's house. Well, what, what are they going to do? Uh, you know, they have no way of getting out, possibly. So they, you know, so the Homeland Security will come or not come. FEMA will not come, you know, if there's if there's no beachfront. I mean, if, you know, if everything's flooded, no one's going to come to your rescue. And so they want that access between the houses. I think it's giving up a little to gain a lot if we can get that 65 percent 
of the uh, Army Corps' uh, you know, input into this, that it means everything. It means our whole area. No one's going to want to come here just to, just to see the Rays play or the Bucks play or stuff like that. They want to go to the beach and all that that means to everybody. Yeah. And, and in order to keep doing that, you've got to have a beach. I always say how lucky we are to be here. You know, people come from all over the world to go to our beaches. Yeah, exactly. And when we said that it was the number one beach in the United States, everybody came. And you couldn't even get across a bridge to get there. And, uh, you know, I mean, unless you left real early in the morning. But, uh, you know, uh, I do miss the beach, but I sure was lucky to grow up out there, I'll tell you. And I wish more kids could do that. That's all I want to say. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you for the call, Nancy. Appreciate it very much. Um, we got a couple other emails that are going back to our raise conversation. So let's look at those real quick. Um, one, um, we've got Donald who says, it's all well and good for the raise, but let's face it, both St. Pete and Tampa are rapidly facing gentrification. To say that these upgrades are going to generate funds to create affordable housing is laughable. This person does not believe that that is happening. Um, we also have an email about... Um, from uh, Mr. Slepp, who's asking, wants to know about all the Australian pines that were cut in Fort DeSoto. Um, Commissioner, did you know anything about that, about Australian pines being cut at Fort DeSoto? We had uh, several years ago, this is, he might be referring to, I mean, this is probably four or five years ago, where we did a massive removal of invasive species and have been replanting uh, native Florida species of pines. Um, and so... You'll, if you go out there, you'll see the, the new development of uh, natural trees. We have those uh, invasive species all over Pinellas, and we've worked uh, as best we can where possible to remove those so that uh, – because some of those are not, not good for um, – they, they have shallow root systems. They uproot very easily in storms. Um, I, that's probably what he's referring to. And, and the so. pine needles are very acidic, and when they fall to the ground, it does not create a very good environment for um, things to grow there which, you know, also affects, uh, you know, animals and things like that. So the Australian pines are beautiful, but they are not native. Yeah, and I, I assume that's what he saw. And that's several years ago that, uh, and it was it was stark because uh, they removed a lot. We had a, I believe it was a, um, a state grant at the time that kind of forced the timing of it and, and doing it in a big swath as opposed to more systematically. But um, I, I I assume that's what he's talking about. I seem to recall they also lined Grill along the beaches, and they all froze one year, and they were gone. Beautiful, beautiful, but they're not native. Um, We also have another email, um, Commissioner, from someone who's asking a question not about either the Rays or beach renourishment, but this is a retired um, air rescue firefighter from the St. Pete Clearwater Airport. And he um, wants to know what the county is doing about the decades of testing of aqueous film forming foam. And I believe that that is firefighting, a chemical that's used for firefighting. And there's a, a lot of Airports do a lot of testing with that that foam, um, and he says all the product is seeping into the ground, only a stone's throw away from Old Tampa Bay. It is a forever chemical. Um, I'm not sure if that's. Are you familiar with that at all, Commissioner? I, I don't have any real great detailed answer. Yes, I think that uh, the awareness of the chemicals on the firefighting tools over the years have evolved, and people are getting smarter and. And uh, we have a firefighter crew out there, so um, they would fall under those normal evaluations. I, I don't have a really good up-to-date answer for you today. 
Yeah, I, I vaguely seem to recall from my days of working at the airport that there's some sort of a disconnect between, you know, there's some maybe federal requirements on actually even using these chemicals that are that are not either. I don't think they're good for the environment. And they're not good for people either. Right, right. Well, we only have a few more minutes uh, to go in our show, and I, I did want to bring up uh, the fact that you've been in, in this uh, this political uh, world and, and government for a long time now. Uh, a lot of folks may not remember. You served in the House and you served in the Senate. Uh, and 20 I, years. It's 20 been 20 years, years been of community this. service. Uh, you also worked at USF St. Pete and talk about, you know, an institution in St. Pete that has an economic impact. How do you think things are going at USF St. Pete these days uh, with the consolidation with Tampa? <laughs> well, the the campus is thriving. Um, I think, you know, I, I uh, and you only have a couple minutes. I oppose the consolidation, quite frankly. Um, uh, I wanted that autonomy for USF St. Petersburg. Uh, that being said, making the marine science program part of the official St. Pete institution is huge. Um, that campus will thrive. It's an incredible location. It's got uh, incredible folks still that I'm still friends with a lot of them that work there uh, and care about the students. Um, the opportunity for residential facilities there. Uh, I was a student there uh, a few years back and uh, it was a ghost town during the day and at night when people like me who went, worked all day and went to school at night, it was packed and um, it's now become, you know, there's uh, uh, three residential facilities so students can go to school and enjoy downtown St. Petersburg and all that's there. Uh, it's it's uh, night and day from when I was a student there and it's, and it's an incredible uh, asset to downtown. Let's go to our phones. We've got a, a caller, Bert, on the line. He has a, a comment that he'd like to make. Bert, you're on the line. What's up? Hey, I just want to comment that I, I just sent the email to, to Reddit. I appreciate that. And that the, you know, the county needs to look into the problem over there at the airport. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you're the retired firefighter about the, the, the I, foam. I am, and I'm hobbling around here. But, it's you know, it's incredible that you guys do what you do. And I want to just, Mr. Justice, I, I was, uh, I'm proud of working for Pinellas County. Sorry if I sound a little teary. Because I am, but you need to look up a triple F. Study the effect because they pour that on the ground, right between the firehouse and the new expansion of beautiful airport. But the county needs to take responsibility for that. Okay, All thanks right. for calling. That's a really good issue. Thanks you for calling, Burby. Yeah. Thank, thanks. All right. Peace, and I love you Okay, guys. peace. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Bert. Appreciate it. Uh, I did want to talk to you a little bit before we go here about um, the difference between uh, today in the Florida legislature and the way they were back when you were there. I know you're not in the legislature, but you know people who were there. You observe it. What's changed? Well, I think the, the partisanship and the division that you see in Washington uh, from back in the 90s flowed downhill to Tallahassee. Um, and you know, when I was there, it was it, we could see the the beginning of the end as far as uh, when parties really work together to get things done. Uh, I mentioned Dennis Jones. I served with Dennis Jones, Don Sullivan, uh, Jim King, Paula Dockery, um, Republicans, Democrats. Um, and, and did we agree? No, but it wasn't a uh, demonization 
of someone who had different views than you that occurs today. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, there was um, a lot more civility. Uh, and unfortunately, I see folks who uh, who like that, that embrace that. They want the chaos. They want the, the mm-hmm. fight. Um, and you see that in folks who are running for local office. Um, whereas we believe that competence is important. We believe that civility is important. Respecting one another is important. Uh, one of the things I really enjoyed about being on the county commission locally is that um, we have seven of us, Democrats, Republicans. Um, we don't always agree, uh, but we treat each other with civility and respect and, and try and move things forward for the people of Pinellas. Um, so, yeah, the Tallahassee, uh, I used to have friends up there that would try and get me to run again. Please come back. And, and now they tell me, uh, please don't run. You're better off uh, staying out of Tallahassee. <laughs> you were, when you were um, in Tallahassee, you were there when Jeb Bush was governor and Charlie Crist, I believe. Is that correct? In the, when I was in the House, uh, Jeb Bush was governor, and uh, I had great conversations with him on policy and and uh, movies and a whole bunch of other things over the years. And then, of course, uh, Charlie Crist was our hometown guy. Uh, when he was governor, um, uh, I was in the Senate and got to work with him on uh, on issues while we were up there together, yeah. So when did things start to change? Well, I think, you know, um, in 2000 was when I was a freshman and term limits uh, took in, and there were 63 freshmen uh, in the House, uh, 63 of us coming in, you know, uh, without any uh, that experience as far as being there. And and so as some of the folks that had been there for a while phased out um, and the, the legislators got younger and didn't have the institutional memory, uh, and, you know, they in the old days, committee chairmen actually were policy experts and, and ran their committees. Now it seems very top-down, uh, the House leadership, uh, decides what's going to go into a committee, what's going to pass out of a committee. Um, and so, and then of course you've got the, you know, gerrymandering and political money, all those kind of things that all factor in. It's not, it's not just one piece, but um, it, it's, um, you know, it, it, that part of it is disappointing. Um, it's, a top, I have, I, it's a top-down system though, right? It's, it's absolutely, absolutely. It's the, it's the people who are leading the committees are really just foot soldiers more than anything. Well, yeah, I, I just I, I know that uh, when I was in the Senate, uh, uh, President Pruitt was my uh, Senate president, and we talked all the time. We worked on stuff together. Um, you know, in the House, you have 120, so it's a different dynamic. But um, you know, there's days where you felt like uh, you could jump on your desk and scream and and uh, and not get noticed at all in the House as a Democrat. So, well, back in the day, um, you used to have a saying: if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I guess these days, it's uh, if it ain't broke, let's break it. I don't know. <laughs> Well, we, it's a big budget, a lot of responsibilities. We still, you know, talk with our local legislators and um, we have some good ones locally that go up and work hard and, and we, you know, encourage them to keep fighting the fight. Before we go, I want to address this one text message that we got from somebody asking about the um, high water line, thinking that it means you can only use the beach at low tide. What the high water line meant was that was the high water line would mark where the public beach was so that... The above the high water line would be where somebody could theoretically say that it was private. And the law passed under Rick Scott has kind of confused the situation, not clarified it. Um, Thank you for being with us, Commissioner. We appreciate it. Thank My you. Pleasure. Thank it's been you for a great listening. Conversation. If you love WMNF, don't forget to uh, contribute um, to Waymakers through the station. We're going to be start doing our fund drive coming up um, on October fourth. Um, coming up next is Alternative Radio, followed by uh, Harrison Nash. This is WMNF Tampa. <laughs> Bye.
Live from NPR News.